not just good it's great this is the podcast and we are heading over the ocean over the sea over the long white cloud whatever names you want to go we're going all the way to Iceberg Canada. Canadian women have qualified for the FIH Women's World Cup of Hockey for the first time since 1994 beating arch rivals USA in the big game of the side joining us today is none other than South African assistant coach to take us through it on the special edition of the podcast. Yeah, joining us all the way from Vancouver in very warm Canada right now. Turn our videos on first with Carlton. Even first, so I can see it's incredibly warm right now um, over there. But uh, yeah, Carl Marks, a South African assistant coach. I mean, you can see a lot of these going around the world right now. But uh, what a time and what a journey and and what an incredible uh, moment to be part of. So, uh, Carl, welcome to Hockey the Podcast. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, so Carl and I go way back. We both got banned from provincial duty in the same year for uh, some misbehavior, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Carl, tell us a little bit about, I mean, how did you land up firstly uh, in Canada uh, chasing professional dreams or whatever? And uh, more importantly, how did that translate into a role with the Canadian national women's team? Yeah, um yeah, it's been it's been a really a roller coaster ride from the beginning, um, and it's it started in early 2020. Um, I was approached by a, a a man named Ronald Prince here in Canada. He owns a club called Sea to Sky, and that's a junior club. And he said they're looking for a head coach. Um, and I was yeah, I was on board straight away. I said yes, like get get me over there. Um, I've I wanted to just experience living overseas somewhere, trying to coach hockey in a diff different country. And of course, um, the world had other ideas and COVID came around. And that meant that I was stuck at home for a year while the visas were being processed. So instead of being in Canada in August of 2020, I got to August 2021. Um, and yeah, it was a bit of a, an up and down ride for, from that side. But once I got here, things yeah, things started to to happen really quickly. Um, obviously, I had aspirations of trying to get into the Canadian national setup at some point in my future. Um, I just didn't think it would happen within the first two months of being here. Um, and that was a bit of luck, uh, to be honest. And sometimes I guess you you need some luck on your side. Um, a man named Thomas Tichelman, um, who you might know from, from Sportways, um, and I mean, sort of a renowned hockey trainer um, around the world. Him and I have a very good relationship and he has been advising uh, Rob Short, the head coach of uh, the Canadian national team. 
and they needed a, an assistant trainer on the field in Vancouver at the time. And they, Thomas knew, knew that I was in, in Vancouver and they said, hey, you know, if you need a trainer, they could recommend me. Um, and I got on the phone with, with Rob Short and within a couple of days, I was on the Astro with the girls um, starting to train. And from there, I guess you, know, you can say the rest is history, but we started, we started building a relationship and eventually got me all the way down to Chile. Yeah. And, and I mean, what a tournament it was first and foremost, Chile, uh, absolute underdogs and absolute uh, fairy tale stories, both the men and women. Um, of course, uh, you guys didn't get the opportunity to play Chile, but let's go through quickly the experience you had. Obviously, you started out against Peru, very one-sided. You then had Trinidad and Tobago, or sorry, you then played USA. Yeah. Tough game, and you went down to them 3-1 uh, yeah. before beating Trinidad and Tobago 13-0. But now the Pan Am is a little bit different. Coming second in your pool doesn't get you straight to the semifinals. You first play a yeah. crossover, and then your Oaks had a... a uh, what can only be described as a titanic tussle, uh, a one-all draw with Uruguay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it it was a uh, nail-biting game to say the least. It was <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, when you look at at uh, what we were able to follow and watch hockey, I mean, there were times where it looked like Uruguay were about to put the foot down and and take things away, and Canada yeah. defended so gainfully. I mean. I suppose, Kyle, first and foremost, what, what was the team's real, I mean, goal when they first entered Pan Am? Obviously, the dream was World Cup. Um, but what was the goal? What were they? Re what was the team looking to achieve in this tournament? I think from the very beginning, the mindset was to qualify. Um, you know, that was that was a mindset. That was the, the goal and the dream, um, everything in all in one. I don't think... You know, we we had looked at it and we said, you know, we we definitely because we've got the additional spot, the top three, we have to finish top three, and you know, I think that was that was it. So we knew it was it was top three. Um, we knew that getting into the final directly through through semifinals, so winning the pool would have been would have been a a. a not, I wouldn't say a big ask. I think we knew it was always going to be tough playing uh, USA in the in the pool. Um, but yeah, I think definitely the, the mindset was going in to qualify, um, and and we never really deviated from that idea. You know, so the girls were always had that belief and had that drive. Um, and there were yeah multiple factors going into that USA game that that made it you know I think not as easy as as. We had played a couple warm-up matches against them previously before the tournament. And I mean, we basically played five test matches against them and we won all five test matches. Um, and then they had gone and added a couple players into their squad. Um, some youthful young players that are, are really, really good. So it was a little bit of a different team, but a little bit more motivated. Um, and yeah, so we had, we had a few factors, some injuries that, that didn't help us in that game. Um, but as it stands, you know, this, this team has a huge history of overcoming difficult times, um, you know, with the not qualifying for the Olympics when they lost in the shootout against Ireland. Um, it was, 
you know, they've, they've had a lot of rocky, rocky roads to follow. And subsequently, since then, has been a super difficult time. Coaches in and out of the system, um, players in and out, you know, some people having to give up on their dreams because they just felt like the system wasn't going anywhere or the team wasn't being able to get to where they wanted to go. So I think a lot of the, let's say the mindset was just, that we're going to qualify like there's no other there's no other reason why we're going um and we're just going to get the job done i i mean you you talk about the disappointments of the past the scars that were there in the past uh, as an outsider coming into the team did you uh did you feel that did you feel some of those scars were there and maybe particular in a game like the uruguay game when it went to shootouts <laughs> you know yeah were those scars yeah, uh, present yeah, I, I mean, I felt a little bit, fortunately, so the squad is divided into sort of two camps, or not divided as a as a unit, but in terms of there's, there's girls that have been in that setup that were with Giles uh, when when the, you know, when they didn't qualify, they're still in the setup. And then we have a, a group of youthful, younger girls that are, have come through the junior program um and and are now in the side so there's there's a few of the the players that remember that those those moments um in the shootout with the the uruguay we um we went three nil up and our physio elliot, elliot marsh he mentioned to to one of the players sarah mcmanus and said she's we, we surely have it now and she turned to him and said we've been in this position before um and if you remember that island shootout they were three one up in the shootout and ended up losing it. So, you know, the, the scars were definitely shown. And, and at, at times, I think the players were having severe flashbacks to, to those moments, especially Uruguay. Um, but I think once we, once we overcome that, the momentum shifted, you know, hugely in our, in our favor. Yeah. And, and unfortunately you, you know, you get through the Uruguay game. Uh, I mean, and, and what people don't remember always is that, uh, you know, you didn't concede anything. Um, uh, Harris, I think it was in goals, was absolutely yeah. superb. Uh, zero, zero conceded. Three out of three. You couldn't ask for much more there. Um, so, job done. Through to the semifinals. Hey, let's make it a nice, easy game against Argentina. <laughs> I mean, Argentina always or, or usually win this tournament for a reason. And yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it was a three-nil defeat. Um, to Argentina, but the goal of qualification was still there. Yeah. And I, I suppose many of you watching, because yours was the, the first semifinal, many yeah. of you watching would have said, all right, so we're playing Chile in the third and fourth place playoff, and you know what? We back ourselves. we got a good chance against Chile. And then Chile go and shock USA on a shootout. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They qualify, and I mean... Yeah, I mean, having lost to USA uh, earlier in the tournament, having lost to USA previously on a number of occasions, yes, there must have almost been a little bit of a feeling like, seriously? Yeah, um, you know, Joe, I, I, being new to sort of the Pan Am side of the world, I, you know, I haven't followed this side of the world that closely in the past. Um, so having watched Chile in the last few months, like having built up to this, I realized that they were actually going to be a, quite a serious competition. And we played it. We played a practice, a test, a little um, warm-up match against them before the Pan Ams. Um, and, and watching them play was, you know, I knew that 
they were going to be a tough competition um, if we had to face them in, in any sort of match, um, especially a semi-final or, a, a, you know, a, a, the last, the third, fourth playoff. Um, and watching that USA game, we had got back to the hotel and obviously switched on the game as quickly as we could to watch the USA uh, Chile game. And during the game, I, I kind of just watched and I, I said to myself, I said, I want USA in the in that third, fourth. I don't want Chile. They just had so much momentum and drive and passion from the crowd behind them. And I felt that if Chile had beaten USA, which they did, um, USA would have had taken a little bit of a knock off their pedestal because um, once they beat us in the pool game, I think they felt like their job had been done. Um, I think they felt like they had had done the job. Um, so I was actually pushing for USA, um, but that's again without the you know as as a coach without having the history. That's what I wanted. Um, but the girls also responded well to it, kind of with that redemption factor. We were like, okay. You came out in the pool matches nice and hot. And, you know, like I said, we had multiple factors in that USA game. I'm not going to make excuses, um, but we did have a few injuries that sort of rattled the team a little bit. Um, we didn't get to Chile as early as we would have liked. Um, but, you know, USA did the job in the pool match and we just wanted that redemption match. And the girls went in firing on that on that day. I think, you know, the, the goal was switched on and... Even, you know, having that played against Argentina, the momentum that we gained from that game, um, I mean, that was one of our best performances in the tournament. Um, yeah, the score was 3-0, three, three but I mean, to to hold the world number three off to, you know, a 0-0 nil, nil in basically till the third quarter is, you know, take some, take some guts and take some determination. So... Yeah, I think we, we went into USA with with high hopes and with a lot more confidence than I think was maybe noted or, or could be seen. It, it, it's a very interesting thing because it, it was clear defensively that you guys were, were switched on and it almost felt like uh, it was going to take America something something special to score and, and that never came and you got the early goal through Amanda Woodcroft in the first quarter. Um yeah, at what point did uh, you on the bench? I mean, and I know you are a esteemed player in your own regard. You've played many provincial tournaments and stuff, so you know not to celebrate too early. But at what point did you think, man, we're going to do this? <laughs> I think when the clock said 20 seconds left, I think that's when I said, okay, I think we got this. We had the ball in their half. Um, and I, th I think it was uh, Seco, Matty Seco that was on the ball. And I thought, okay, now now we got it. But up until that point, I my heart was in my throat. I think at one point I checked my watch, Jabu, and it was sitting at 120 beats per minute. Um, and I'm sitting on the you know I'm sitting on the sideline. So it was no, it was nail biting, it was nerve wracking. Um, I don't think we were at any point said we've got this. Um, USA have that ability. You know, they've got players that are just. If you give them enough space, enough time, they will do something to you. Um, and I mean, those those juniors that they have in their team are just <laughs> are quite lethal, um, really skillful. I mean, the youngest one, Erin um, Matson, mm -hmm. she's not the youngest, but she's one of the the most lethal. I think she's only eighteen or nineteen years old, 
And I mean, yeah, if you if you give them an inch, they'll take it. So we we made sure that defensively we were sound. Um, and fortunately, most of our experience is at the back. Players that have been at you know in that squad with with Giles um, going through. So yeah, we didn't we didn't count our chickens before they hatched at all. Um, and I think you could could see from the celebration afterwards from the coaches and everyone that we yeah it was a release of huge pressure that we had just finally just done it but i mean again you, you talk about i mean you guys had an experienced squad i mean carly johansson natalie seroso uh, sarah mcmanus uh, amanda woodcroft madeline seco brienne stairs and shenley johnson all more than 100 caps you know uh, yeah obviously having played under giles we know that he works on that basis of yeah. uh, lots of test matches and stuff uh do you find that um you know, Rob is uh, taking a lot of the foundations laid by Giles and trying to just add to it. Has he come in with a brand new... I, know, I mean, I know you weren't involved with Giles, but uh, in talking to the girls and talking to the teams, you know, things are obviously in a very good place right now. What What do you think that is testament to? Um, yeah, it was, it was a difficult thing coming in like that you know I, I said earlier there's, there's sort of two camps in the squad where you have the older girls who under the system of Giles you know everything was sort of I want to use the word established um in a way you know they they understood their roles they they understood the system they had been working on it for two and a half years um so coming in and and it felt good. I mean, they they played really well back then. They you know they had gone all the way to to that game against Ireland. And you know, to be fair, I think they were probably the favourites in that game. They probably should have won it. Um, so it was difficult for the team to now come into or, or come together and and get under Rob, who has you know, Rob, Rob is a very simple coach from a mindset that he's going to just, he said, we're going to have sort of one structure and we're just going to make sure that we, we know our, our system as well as we can. Um, and we're not going to worry too much about the other teams. Obviously we did a ton of analysis on everyone else, but it was about us. And it took about a month or two for for us to get full buy-in from, especially from the the senior squad, um, to say, okay, you know, we 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 now going to put faith in Rob's system, um, and you know, credit to Rob for for persisting through that and having the conversations with the players, um, and you know, it came down to the word trust, and that and that was sort of our theme going throughout the tournament was that. We need to just trust in the system. We need to trust in each other. We need to trust that the preparation we have done ha will be enough. Um, you know, we we faced mountains in terms of, you know, the last couple of weeks of December, we were snowed in. We couldn't get onto the turf to train. So for five and a half weeks, six weeks before the tournament, we basically couldn't train. We had... Uh, the Christmas break where people then go back home, not everyone centralized. Then we had Omicron that decided to pop up, which became a very real factor. So we couldn't centralize again after it. So the first time we met as a squad was in Chile, um, you know, two days, three days before the tournament. So it was, I think it was testament to Rob. Um, he did an amazing job to come in and, and mold this, the squad together and, and put the belief that, 
you know, together we can make it work. And the players eventually bought into that. It's an interesting thing because Omnicrom also probably robbed you of one or two of the under twenty ones that could have uh, could have come up because obviously they they um, them getting stuck in South Africa meant yeah. it was a long time away and stuff like that. Uh, you know, was that a case? Was there a couple of youngsters who missed out? Um, on yeah, um, yeah, there were. There was um, one or two, um, and they. Yeah, I think there was a there was a fact of the one girl Chloe, um, I can't remember her surname. Chloe, she she was in the squad in in Cape uh, in um, Pottersroom that went down, and they they got stuck there. So there was a little bit of hesitation from from their side as well. Um, we actually had an injury in this in the squad. Um, Alison Lee, she she pulled her back during the tournament, so we had to pull her out, and then. We were looking at getting a player into the squad, um, and it was Chloe who was in the states. And unfortunately, COVID had its way with with that as well, and we couldn't get her in because she had been exposed uh, to to a roommate. So, yeah, it, it it was a factor. And I mean that you know, the, as as these times go, I mean, completely unprecedented. We've, I mean, you know, doing all the testing and being in a bubble and you know things that you wouldn't want to do on a tour i mean you know we've as you said we've been on many tours together and the last thing you want to do is have to be stuck in your hotel room um you would like to get out and and just explore a little bit on your downtime but yeah it definitely was a factor and players needed to to react to that and yeah unfortunately we did miss one or two of the juniors um uh, but i think the ones that we did have you know they they stepped up as much as we needed them to. Yeah. I, I mean, well, you talk about our tours and stuff, but an international tour is a bit of a, a step up from some of the things you and I did over the years. And, you know, uh, no I mean, it beats a, a beats a B and B in, in uh, Peter Maritzburg, but <laughs> yeah. And, and some of the thing I actually, do you know, the thing is, and, and, if anyone from Canada Hockey is listening to this and you want to see these photos, I have some photos. That were, <laughs> was it? Wasn't that your first under twenty one RPT? Uh, it probably was. It probably was when I was a fresh, fresh sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> going into the, uh, going into that tournament. Oh, that was yeah, that was a good time. And those, oh, jeez, I can't believe you still got those photos, Charlie. Uh, look, I don't think I want them to come out, so <laughs> I'll stay that way. But I mean, bury them in a vault. Yeah, yeah they, they, they're going to become ashes pretty soon. We can play for the ashes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Carl, obviously, it's a, it's a big change. Uh, provincial hockey is great and stuff. But, yeah, the, the, the what's the word? The, the cauldron of international hockey is something special. Uh, it must be very special to, to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, being at an FIH tournament and, and, you know, coming away with success, uh, in the form that uh, a World Cup qualification presents itself in, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it must be, it must feel to almost be as good as it gets at this point in time. Yeah, like I said, you know, I've always had aspirations and dreams of being involved in national setups. Um, at some point, I'd never thought it would be, you know, now. Um, you always have have those ideas that okay, I'm going to. I'm going to work hard and, and hopefully someday, you know, my chance will come. And yeah, my chance came really quickly. 
Um, and it's it's just been really nice to be a part of it and and to to fit into something that's very new. You know, I think that's been a really nice thing. Um, Rob Rob Short has never taken a national team before as a head coach. Um, he's got vast amounts of experience as a player, um, and and he's been an assistant coach a few times. But so he, you know, he's also was very new to the head coach role. Um, so I think that made our our team really good because we had to work together a lot. We had to rely on each other. We had to iron out kinks that perhaps a more experienced head coach would have known already from the beginning. So you know there was a lot of not only the players were working out how to get things working, the coaching staff was working out how to make things work. So, you know, defining roles and making sure that we understand responsibility on the bench and things like that, which you've never had to factor in before now, all of a sudden become a reality and you're doing it in one of the most important tournaments of your life. Um, You know, so yeah, it's, it's felt incredible. Um, you know, and I think just to give these girls or well, to be a part of them and, and to have that opportunity to possibly go to the World Cup now is, I mean, that's a dream come true. That's always that's always been a dream. And to to now have that on my doorstep to say that, I you know, I could possibly be going to the World Cup with them in a couple months is, yeah, that's incredible. Well, it's, it's a, a good, uh, it's a good question to ask is, where does it sit in terms of your your World Cup role with the team? Um, I'm not 100% sure. It, as it stands now, currently, I should be going. Um, I, I don't... Yeah, it has, we haven't had the discussion in terms of yes or no just yet. I will be involved with everything happening in Vancouver. So training starts basically the first week of March. Um, I'll be involved with that quite heavily. Um, and then I think it just comes down to a conversation um, in a couple months or probably next few weeks, to be honest, um, about what's happening. So I think the chances are high that I'm going. Um, again, I don't want to count my chickens. It's There are multiple factors. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm crossing fingers, toes and everything I can cross. Um, because I do want to be a part of the squad. I do want to be a part of everything going forward for them. So, uh, yeah, I'll let you know when when I get the good news. Yeah, look, we're holding thumbs for you too. It, but but it's another interesting dynamic that we're seeing across uh, the globe. There are lots of South Africans involved at other countries. We uh, obviously had uh, Greg Clark involved in Canada before and Giles Bonnet. We had uh, Jason Mulder at USA. We've got... We had Red Hulkett now with the Dutch woman. Dave Stanley yeah. with Australia. Greg was with the Indian assistant team. Um, we've obviously got uh, Nettie. You've got uh, Lindsay Wright getting involved across the world. I mean, yeah. Peter uh, over the pond there and, and uh, has uh, big aspirations and wouldn't be surprised to see her get some major opportunities. I, I mean, also there in Canada, the under-21s were with Patrick. Patrick. I, I mean, what why why are south africans making such a big footprint in the world of hockey coaching around the globe yeah it's a good question um 
I think it comes down to to the people that we are and the, the passion that we have, not only for the game, but for for people. And I feel that as South Africans, we we tend to sort of build good relationships with people. We're easy to get along with. Um, we not we're not too difficult uh, to to sort of work with, work with. Um, we're strong in our beliefs, so we don't sort of. We're not pushed over too easily, um, but we we manage to be able to work with people. So yeah, and and I think we just have a, a really good skill base. I think a lot of people that have come through the ranks in South Africa have been exposed to you know good coaching and and them themselves become good coaching. I think we also just got a really good work ethic. Um, you know, we're not shy to spend hours and hours on the pitch or hours behind uh, the computer program, you know, doing planning and watching hockey to make sure that you're not, you know, being left behind in terms of trends. Um, yeah, so I think it I think it comes down to the type of person we are. Um, and then from there, we just we grow exponentially, you know, being exposed once we exposed to, you know, either better hockey or more more information probably that's the the better way is that we just get exposed to more information and bigger systems and that kind of thing um i think that's where we just excel speaking of of excelling obviously one of the things that uh, you've held dear in in your heart and it's been a massive part of your development as a uh, as a coach is Sportsways and the Sportsways clinics. I mean, tell us a little bit about the impact Sportsways has had, not just on your career, but also uh, your life. Oh, I mean, I think if if I can credit credit my coaching career to anything at Sportsways, um, I can't speak highly enough about them. Um, you know, I spoke about Thomas Tickleman and the impact that he's had in my life. And it's it's been incredible i think you know the the system that i came through um was incredible in terms of how they they taught they taught me how to be a really good trainer um and how to coach and and i i think i found my feet and i found my groove of coaching you know through sportways i i can't accredit it to anything else the knowledge i think i've developed over the years from various coaches and, and playing and all that kind of thing. But the, the how to coach was sportways based. And, you know, I've, I've been privileged to have spent time in Hong Kong with Thomas Tichelman and um, guys like Craig Sieben, um, Pasha, you know, they part of the national men setup here. You know, we've had hours of, you know just talking and and having a beer together on the side of the the field after a sportways clinic and i remember my first clinic down in in cape town with craig sieben where he you know threw me in the deep end and said okay here's a clinic you've got 120 kids it's your clinic you need to run it and i basically like bombed out after the first day i couldn't i just couldn't do anything um but he you know he very calmly and eloquently just explained how I could you know make it better by delegating a little bit more and doing this and you know and all of a sudden things started to put to a piece together 
Um, and yeah, I just I say I, I cannot explain enough how much Sportways has done for me. Um, you know, getting me in, you know, Jack Tonneson in terms of getting me to the FIH courses, putting me through an FIH level two course, um, you know, sending me all over the world. You know, Thomas, Thomas Sickerman, they've sent me to the USA. I was in the USA for a couple, six weeks back in 2018, um, gaining experience there. Um, so it's just the amount of experience that you gain from, from dealing with those type of, of players and coaches and people, like I think sport race is just filled with really good people who are passionate about the game, passionate about life. I'm happy, happy to work really hard on the pitch, but then also very happy to sit down and enjoy a beer together or go out for a good party. And I think that's, that resonated really well with me, you know, growing, getting into the coaching um, it started as a hobby. And once I realized that I really enjoy this, I, th I think it's something that I really like doing and could see myself doing it more often than not. Um, that's why it became basically my career. It, it did. So the, the question is, what's next? What's next for you? Uh, and, and is there long-term ambitions on a European club or coming back to South Africa and heading it up? Or, you know, what's the plan? Uh, so I'll be in Canada for the next, I mean, what's been six months already. So I'll be here for another year and a half, um, developing the club that I'm working at. Um, I'm getting my, getting my fingers into a few pies over here. Um, working with field hockey, BC, um, part of their provincial setup. Um, I'm trying to just make sure that I'm, yeah, getting getting exposed wherever I can. Um, we love we loving life in Canada at the moment. Um, it's it's a really beautiful place, Vancouver. Um, weather's cold, <laughs> very cold, but um, you get used to it. Like they said, there's no such thing as bad weather. There's just bad clothing. Um, so we sorted that out pretty quickly. But I think the idea for now is to to see how how things go on this side, um, and then. You know, if if the if the world takes me somewhere else in the future, we will go ahead. I'm not going to plan too far ahead in my life. Um, I think we we we're going to just take it a step at a time, um, and yes, you know, do the best we can here and see where it takes us. Yeah, nothing nothing wrong with that, Carl. I mean, uh, we we would you what would you say to youngsters who? are looking to make a life out of hockey. You know, obviously, we, we talk about hockey uh, as a sport that you can't make a lot of life out of, but you, you really can. It's just a lot of hard work. What what would you say to someone who's looking to do that? You know, what's the answer? How how can someone go and make a life for themselves with the sport of hockey? Yeah, I think you you said it there, hard work. Um, you know, I, I thought about this the other day, and I thought, how how did I get to this point in my life? You know, I was told my whole life that hockey was never going to take me anywhere. Um, you know, we were told as a, a in school when I, I wanted to go play hockey, but I, I needed to study for a test. My parents would say, but, you know, you're not going to be able to play hockey if you don't have a job or you need to study. You can't, it's not just about hockey. Um, and, and that's, you know, why after school, I went and studied, got a degree, um, tried to go into the working world. And after a year of working, I realized that I just, 
I didn't want to give up hockey. I didn't want to give up coaching. Um, and I spent hours and hours. Don't you? Um, I spent hours and hours and hours coaching, and you know, I I didn't think about it while I was doing it because I was just doing something that I enjoyed, something that I loved, um, something that gave me a little bit of pocket money on the side, um, because I was working a full time job. So, but you know, in, in, in reality, I, I was actually just training myself and, and working to be the coach that I am now. So I, I gave up a lot of time with, with work. I, I had to sacrifice that. And fortunately I had a, a really good support system at home that when I was gone for a month with sportways, um, touring South Africa, doing all the clinics, I was, you know, I was able to sort of be supported by my family and, and um, my wife, Brigida. Um, you know, so it was, I had to g- give up a little bit, um, but to gain a lot. And yeah, the advice that I would give is just, you know, work hard, persevere at what you want to do um, and believe that you can do it. Find the avenue that you, you feel you belong in um, and just give it everything. Ask questions. Don't be scared to, you know, pick up the phone and, and ask someone a question. If, you know, if you feel like you, you could be helpful to someone, do it. I mean, I'd spent 10 years with Sportways coaching, not earning one cent. Um, and if you put that into, you know, you, you look at it and you think I probably spent hundreds and hundreds of hours working on the field, coaching for nothing. Like I was, yes, I was getting, uh, you know, accommodation and food and a hockey stick at the end of it, but I was gaining knowledge. Um, and that's what I kept telling myself when at times you got, it got a bit frustrating where they send you somewhere and you realize like you're away from home or you, you could be making money. I, I shut that side down. I said, it's not about the money. It's about the knowledge that you're gaining. And, and that paid off because knowledge is king. Um, if, if you know what you're talking about and you are able to, to deliver that, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, and I think I'm testament to that. You know, I think anyone on the international scene would see a name like Karl Marx and go, who is that? Who, who's that guy? Because I've never been involved in a national team. I've never been a national player at provincials. I was a provincial B team player. So, you know, but I just, I, I stood fast in, in what I knew and just did the best job I could when it came to, you know, doing the job on the field and yeah, it got to me where I am. Yeah. And it's, it's a career you can look back at and be immensely proud of Carl. I mean, there's uh, absolutely uh, no, no issue in the world with uh, the success you've had. And, you know, you say you're a provincial B player, but, uh, Many people here in South Africa, specifically on the indoor hockey phase uh, field, will say uh, Karl Marx is a provincial legend, and uh, <laughs> you're still too young to play uh, to to play uh, masters hockey. So you'll have to. Um, I'll just wait. I'll only need to wait about four years, I think. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, it's still early on in your adventure, but it's really cool to see what's happening. And uh, man, you know. I'm I'm not taking any credit, but it's stoked to see someone that uh, I went on tours with, uh, sitting right at the top table, and I look forward to seeing you smash it at, um, yeah, uh, 
to smash it at the World Cup later this year. Oh no, thanks, Ty. It's, yeah, it's it's been an awesome, awesome ride so far, and uh, yeah, it's definitely not going to be the end of it. Um, I've got my foot in the door now, so I'm just going to bust it wide open and see what I can do with it. Eh? Uh, absolutely superb. Ladies and gents, all the way from Vancouver, we eventually managed to get our time zone sorted out. Um, <laughs> it is Kyle Marks, the assistant coach to the women's national team going to the FIH World Cup for the first time since 1994. Thanks for listening. Of course, stay with us. We'll be talking Pro League in the next couple of episodes and weeks as it arrives here in South Africa. We've got a, a Junior World Cup where the Canadians will hopefully come back after being stuck here with Omnicron in December. Uh, but we promise to keep you updated, whatever the story is. It's, as always, Hockey the Podcast. 